This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio with uh, DOT, Department of Transportation Commissioner Ryan Anderson. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we met briefly once in Juneau, but we haven't really ever talked too much, so this is kind of our first conversation. Yeah, I think we're both running in a lot of different directions uh, all lot, the time. A lot so. of irons in the fire. <laughs> yeah, that's how you could say it. Well, first thing, I wanted, there's a lot I want to talk about, you know, kind of infrastructure money, and, you know, we wrote an article, that's what we kind of talked last week about this Kabata Bridge, Kinnickarm Crossing, but um, first of all, you're coming up on about two years as commissioner, right? Yep, that's correct. And I'll be honest, before, when you were, John McKinnon was commissioner initially, DOT, he left, they announced you, and I was like, who's this guy? I didn't, you know, you, you're not like yeah. a political guy, but you had worked for DOT for a long time, so you're, you're familiar with the DOT, but maybe talk a little bit about your background and, the, and then how, you know, how, how you, you came, to be, came to be commissioner. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, so, well, I grew up in Minnesota in kind of the, the middle of Minnesota and Lakes country, and when I turned... 19, um, you know, I had heard a lot about the university in Fairbanks. And so I packed up my Honda Civic and I drove up to Alaska to Fairbanks. I remember that well. It was in 1993. And I, uh, uh, yeah, I ended up at the university for four years. That's where I met my wife. And, uh, and I got a degree in uh, geological engineering. That's really interesting because I moved to Alaska when I was 19 from New Mexico. Oh, wow. So and I went to UAA, but yeah. did you do, was the wooey thing around back then, the Western undergraduate? No, I actually, I actually made a mistake. I didn't realize. I mean, I had pretty good grades in high school, so they had things like chancellor scholarships and things like that. I didn't know anything about them, so I came up and I paid my first year non-resident uh, yeah, tuition on that one. Do they have that at the time, the Western undergraduate? I think it's called the wooey. That's what I got. Yeah. You get like a little break on tuition if you're from a Western state. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if Minnesota was part of that or not. I might, that might not have even been a part of that program okay. at the time. Yeah. So what, why Alaska? I mean, were you just kind of like, oh, Alaska's kind of, you know, yeah. great, great north? or the Well, at the time, we'd done a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, and everything from, uh, you know, been kind of diving in in high school into rock climbing and mountain climbing and those kind of things. And, of course, you know, Alaska and Mount McKinley, and you have a lot of draw um, mm -hmm. to the outdoors in Alaska. That's so funny because I was... When I was your that age, I was skiing a lot, yeah, and really outdoors, and that's kind of yeah. part of the reason. And then I got into ice climbing when I moved here. But wow, we're like, uh, oh man, yeah, well, some I've, similar. I've done some ice climbing in my day when I got up here, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, want, I want to get back into it, but I need to lose. <laughs> I need to lose a little weight. I'm a little heavier. That's than, the problem. That's the yeah. good thing and the bad thing, right? Yeah, it's like so. it's like using using the uh, the, the the lower bot. You know, you gotta you gotta pick yourself up with those. Oh man. Axis yeah. sometimes, and it gets a little... Yeah, and your hands get really cold. I fell once and with a guy. We were climbing up at a Klutna uh, at Ripple. Oh, yeah. And the the um, rope kind of... the, I'm, the One of the uh, screws kind of failed. Oh, man. And luckily, we were, it was fine. But I was like, it's, it's you know, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you uh, got, I mean, people got to know what they're doing. And, you, and I learned you have to have good equipment. Yes, know? yeah. That's and for sure. you always have to check... Your partner, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, it's always good to check. Yeah. Because a little, tiny little thing, you know, like flying too, you know, if you, some little dumb mistake can, can you know, prove catastrophic. Oh, yeah. So, okay, you get a geology degree, right? Uh, geological engineering. So I got the engineering side to it. 
And, and then did you go to like right away the DOT or did no, you? No, actually. Uh, so when I was in college, um, I met some folks at the university and they said, hey, you should come try out mining down in Juneau. And I said, ah, oh, geez, I'm, I'm an intern in college. Let's give it a shot. So I, I went down to the uh, Greens Creek mine mm-hmm. out of Juneau on Admiralty Island. And I spent a summer there uh, interning. And then when I got done with that and went back to school to finish with my last year, they asked me to come back um, after college. So I actually went and worked underground at Greens Creek Mine for three years after college. Oh, uh, damn. It was like from 97 to 2000, um, which, which was great, man. Those were just such great people. It was such a great experience. And, you know, working underground actually is really a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of people probably think of it a lot of different ways, but, you know, you got to be down I think there of like the old, thing. like, West Virginia, like you go on an elevator and you're, I don't yeah. know, the coal, I think of that kind of scary, like. Yeah, this, this was all uh, rubber tires. So you drive down spirals and you go down and, and do your job and then you drive back out and, so it's all vehicle-based. Um, you know, I don't know if this is still the case, but, you know, years ago, uh, I think it was Steve, was it Steve Burrell, before, the old president of the Alaska Miners Association, yeah. he'd always point out that Kensington and Greens Creek were the largest employers in Southeast by payroll. Mm. So these are like, you know, good, not, not just not just good, you know, a lot of employed yeah. people, but it's good, pay, good, good paying jobs, right, for the people working there. Oh, yeah, and there were a lot of people that, you know, they live in Juneau, and then and that's where they work, and they had good careers there. I mean, a lot of good people there, no doubt. So what did you do after? Okay, after? So, I, so I did three years of that, and I got interested in transportation, and so started looking at, um, you know, the transportation world. And, of course, DOT is, is, is a good spot for that. And so in 2000, I came up, and uh, I got a job in Fairbanks as a construction inspector. And so it was one of those things where you show up for, for your job on Monday and your boss tells you, hey, on Wednesday, I want you up. And, and in this case, he was like, you're going to Attigan Pass for the summer in the Brooks Range. And so pack your bags. What are you inspecting, like bridges yeah. and roads? And- yeah, they were doing the Dalton Highway and they had several bridges, new bridges they were putting in. And so you basically spent a summer up there, you know, working with the contractors, building a couple brand new bridges. So you have the engineering background, but I mean, did you kind of... Was it like on the job train? Did you know what you were inspecting? Did you, did you know what you were looking for? Or? Yeah, DOT has a lot of good, I mean, there's a lot of on the job stuff. I mean, it's like a can-do organization. So, you know, you, you go out and you learn while you're doing it. And there's always good people that are mentoring you while you're out there. Um, and, and, you know, geological engineering was really good because there's so much in Alaska. It's about materials. You know, you're building new roads, you're mm-hmm. building these things. So it was, it was a good, yeah, it was, it was fun. And so we did that. And then I kind of started out at DOT. So that was in 2000. And then I kind of Started working my way through the ranks, um, going through the, you know, the construction and then the design world. And I got into the capital projects world. And then, yeah, just kind of. So were you, were you, when you took the job with DOT, went to Attigan Pass, were you married then at that point? Or? Yes, I was. I was married at that point. So yeah. you're like, sorry, got to <laughs> go to. Yeah, my wife was good about it. She's super. My wife actually grew up in Bethel. And so she's, uh, yeah, she knows all about Alaska and, and what that's all about. So, yeah. Okay, so you're DOT and then you were, before you became commissioner, you were the regional um yeah, so five year, the five years before um, I got asked to be commissioner, yeah. So the regional director is, is a job where it was a, a northern region, we called it, and so it was everywhere from Barrow to Nome. Um, down to, we had this weird boundary where it goes down to Valdez and follows the pipeline. And so you're in charge of uh, you know, planning, uh, design, construction, maintenance, and operations. So you get a real good um, experience level there across the board, everything it takes to, to run an operation. Okay, so you're region director, and then McKinnon leaves, and then how how'd that go for you to become commissioner? I mean, how did the governor call you? Or yeah, I mean, yeah, you get asked, you know, and and that was something we had to really think through, like with your family, because you know you're making an investment on time. I mean, this is something that's uh, it kind of hits you, you know, that this is something if you want to do it, it's it's for. Were you, 
Were you shocked or were you surprised? Yeah, or were, you, were you thinking maybe I, expecting it? No, I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, it. I definitely was more on the surprise side, um, but it was an honor. I mean, you know, I feel like I've worked pretty hard in my career. So I, I and, and so I felt like, well, if, if this is what's being uh, offered to me and I feel like I have that ability to make a difference, I, I probably have a responsibility here. One of the things I've heard from a lot of legislators, I mean, Democrats, too, um, everybody like likes you and they all think that, you know, they all acknowledge, you know, you're a smart guy and you're, and you're, you know, they like how you're doing DOT. So, I mean, I've, I've never heard other commissioners, I won't say who or anything, but there's some of them aren't as popular or they people have opinions, but I've never really actually heard anybody say anything bad. You're kind of a little bit under the radar, but you're also, you know, when it comes to DOT, a lot of people are, they have projects and they have in their district and they have ideas about things. So mm-hmm. you're, uh, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you yet. Well, it's only been two years. I've gone on two years. So give me a little time, I guess. Right. So when you, when you, when you thought about it, was one of your consider, I mean, I assume one of the considerations was, I don't know about before, I guess you maybe were exempt. Were you, was that a political point, point of job before? Yeah. The division directors at levels already. Yeah. You're okay. So you're already on that level of you could just be let go for any reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like, you know, if, if like in right now, especially when you're in this world, you know, for, for transportation and construction and engineering, I mean, there's so many opportunities out there for people. I mean, right now is amazing time for, to be in this kind of industry and so that's that's something that you know factors in too. Is uh, I, I didn't want to think of these things as oh I'm just gonna you know be be worried all the time about oh I could lose my job or could lose my job. I, I just want to go in and, and do mm-hmm. the best job I can and feel and feel good about it. And then whatever happens, you know there'll be other opportunities when you move forward. So you came in kind of right as you know a couple of years ago it was I guess maybe peak COVID and you know there was the CARES Act stuff. I I don't know if the infrastructure had that passed yet by that point no, or yeah. So, so it was pre it was CARES Act and that stuff, but pre infrastructure bill, and then that you know came out, and that's kind of what I want to focus on. You, so you wrote a letter a year ago in April twenty two, uh, basically kind of addressing this Kinnick Arm Crossing and some other projects, and you'd said people had brought this up more and more, and um, there was a report that came out in twenty nineteen on the on the Kinnick Arm Crossing um, by this guy who used to kind of be the CFO of Kabata. But in your letter, you talk about the Kinnick Arm deal, but also in general, kind of how things have changed a lot in transportation and infrastructure mm-hmm. since 2019. And obviously there's this infrastructure money, but also the costs have gone up a lot for, mm-hmm. I mean, some stuff's not even available. And I've heard people say some materials you could get four or five, six years ago aren't even available, plus the cost. So I guess maybe let's start talking about a little bit about what the infrastructure d- bill has done for Alaska and then kind of what we're facing going forward on building actual big, bigger infrastructure and not just kind of fixing the stuff we already got. Yeah, no, those are great. That, well, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that, you know, when that passed, it really did a lot of different things. I mean, it did increase the funding that's available to states. Um, it built, it, it started building these discretionary grant programs, which all of a sudden you have this whole competitive piece to it where you, you know, we're, we're competing with the lower 48 for transportation funds that, that can further augment our infrastructure. Um, but it also <clears throat> gave us some new eligibilities, and, and they really did a nice job with this for Alaska, where now you see us doing things like we're out there um, working with communities to build ice roads. Mm-hmm. That's a new eligibility in the program. Those those types of activities weren't eligible before. Before that was basically the oil companies would, would do that, right? Yeah, and there was some state funds, so every year there'd be a little bit of state money that would go towards it. You know, places like Bethel, I mean, they do an amazing amount of ice roads down there on the on – the, um, 
on the Kuskokwim, and then you look up in the northwest Arctic, out of Kotzebue, they do some, the Tanana folks. Um, we, we punched that road through, you know, to the Yukon River years ago, and they build a nice road now connecting all of that to Tanana every year. So across the state, you know, there's more and more appetite for that because the cost of, of freight is so expensive in those communities, and this mm-hmm. brings it way down. So, so those are the kind of things in the infrastructure bill that, you know, the new eligibilities, the increased in, in funds. Um, and then there's this whole idea about discretionary grants that, you know, those are opportunities for people to get above what we're normally getting. Um, so so it's, it's a big deal um, across the nation. Uh, you know, we talk to a lot of our counterparts in other um, parts of the, of the country, and, you know, it's, it's a lot the same for them. They don't necessarily, the eligibilities aren't as big of a deal for them, but, you know, the increases and then the discretionary grants, everyone's really going after it. Why do you think it is, um, you know, the last, I, I guess I would say the last big undertaking we did infrastructure-wise was probably the Parks Highway, like big, big one. That was in the 70s. I mean, there's been some, you know, improvements, but I mean, why do you think it, it, we haven't built any, obviously the Connect Arm Crossing, that's been talked about for about 20 years, and mm-hmm. there was a Juno Access Road, which, which I think would be a great, that was basically approved. Um, Walker had stopped that. They said, you know, obviously the big projects at the time and the money, but I mean, that was a whole plan for the ferry system. I mean, the ferries were built on that, that road being, you know, having, having cutting down the time from, from, from Juneau up to Haines and all that. Yep. So it just from my perspective, it seems like for a long time we haven't built new things, but we've grown, you know, population a lot in the last 40 years. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a really interesting thing. I think if you look at a lot of the, the major infrastructure projects over, over time, you know, they were driven, you know, a lot of them were driven by mining. You know, mm-hmm. in the early 1900s, that's when a lot of our first trails, you know, the Richardson all the way up, you know, that, that went up and kind of that whole Klondike gold rush. And then a lot of the stuff out in Nome was built out at that time. Or the war, too. You know, the Anderson Tunnel, that was a yep. war deal. Yeah, well, and so was the Alaska Highway, right? That was an amazing yep, yep. accomplishment because of World War II. And then Dalton Highway because of the oil and the resources up there. So I think a lot of our major projects were driven by those types of events. I mean, look at the Alcan. I mean, they built that thing in a couple of years. Yeah, and now I'm less like, than that. I mean, now I'm thinking like, yeah. you're, you guys just announced you're taking over part of that that um, Zusitna, uh road, right? Right. And and that's not going to even be started for two years. But like yeah. back in the you know, you know World War II, people would just like the CBs. I'm thinking about in the Navy, yeah. they would just do these things that were like amazing. That now would we kind of like don't even fathom something could be built that quick. Yeah, well, I mean, you can build things still quick, but, you know, the requirements now are we have to go through, you know, the, the processes to make sure we do it right. And, you know, the environmental pieces are, are, are taken care of, the permits are taken care of. Um, you know, our, we, we do a lot with federal money, and with federal money comes a lot of rules. And mm-hmm. so we've got to follow those rules, and so we're, we're good about that. And so all those things do add time. But, you know, we still do things quick. I, I think, uh, you know, some of these projects where you have these state-funded projects, I mean, we've turned things around in, in a year or maybe a little longer than that, but, you know, from the start of a project to construction. We, we actually had a project uh, uh, way up north where uh, there, we, by the time we started it, and, and we had really good federal partners on it, um, to the time we mobilized, I, mean, I think, and that was a fairly decent environmental document and a lot of permitting, you know. If I remember right, we did that in about 16 months, mm-hmm. and then we got to construction. So if you put the focus on it and you really put a priority on things, I think you can do that. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of one of the things we're talking about at DOT right now is how do we do more of those kind of things? How, how much, um, you know, we all live where we live and we're in our little worlds, but I mean, how much is happening around the state that maybe the average person doesn't see 
but it's, you know, bridges or roads oh, yeah. or kind of what, what's going, maybe what are some of the things that are happening right now statewide that yeah. maybe the average person living in Anchorage or Fairbanks or Juneau is not really seeing? Yeah, well, there's, I mean, when you look at our overall program, so, I mean, if, if you looked at our capital budget this year, I think we had $1.4 billion, mm-hmm. which is a really big capital budget for us. Um, about 750 to 800 million of that is highways. And so, you know, you go out here and you'll see like Minnesota Avenue getting repaved, right? That's, that's, that's part of what we do. Um, those kind of projects are happening all over the state. Um, and, and when you get up like Dalton highway, there's always a big project going on on the Dalton highway, you know, where we're just rebuilding the road because of the permafrost thaw and just, you know, problems. A lot of that was, you know, they punched it in so fast. We're still going back and realigning and, and making the curves and, and doing all that kind of stuff too. Now I've driven, actually, I just drove in May to Haynes. I went to the brew fest, but I've driven that road many times to Haynes and then yep. the ferry. And, and I've always wondered like part of that road, it's the Alaska side, but also the Canada side is really fucking just like bumpy. You know, I'm sure you've driven that. Is that just like kind of the ground and you can't, you can't ever, cause part of that road's so good, but then yeah. there's like a stretch, maybe 50 miles or something where it's just really like those bumps and those curves are just like, like what do you call them? Those dips, I guess, are just so yeah. like bad. Yeah. You know, we actually just had a conversation a few weeks ago with the Yukon minister. And, and that was, he wanted to talk to us about what we were doing on the Alaska Highway side, because we've had that too on that side, um, but we're always putting money into that road to, to get it better. I mean, it gets really bad in the Canada side. Yeah, because they, and what he told us is they haven't been able to invest. They, their, their government hadn't given them any money to really invest in that side. And so they're, they're looking for help right now. And you know, it's interesting at the brew, yeah. at, the, at the beer fest at Haynes, I met tons of people from Yukon, come Whitehorse, come over. Yeah. And I had met a lot of people like, French Canadian, you know, from Quebec and then people from yeah. like Newfoundland and, and I'm talking to them. And um, what I kind of started hearing was there's been some, and I, I looked this up actually, there's been some programs in Canada. They're trying to get more people in the Yukon and the Northwest Territory. They, so they've started doing some incentives of like moving money and mm. bonuses. And, and if you work for the government, the wages are pretty high. So I don't know if that means they're going to follow that with infrastructure, but I mean, they are trying to get more people to those, you know, further like t- territories. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think everyone's thinking about that right now. And yeah, but, but, but that specific stretch of road, you know, we did partner with them on one of those discretionary grants. We didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're trying to work that out because they do say there's more U S residents that are going between Haines and the border than Canadians. I mean, they say that's the kind of, I believe use, that, you know, that, that's on that highway. Yeah. What about the, now the Dawson city has a poker tournament uh, every year and I play poker and I was thinking about going up, for that, it's it's in a few weeks. It's in September, but I'm trying to figure this out, and it seems like the top of the world highway is closing on. Now I know this is like a national border thing, but it closes, I think, on the first September first. In the past, it's closed on the fifteenth. Uh, I know it was closed for a couple of years with COVID, but do you, do you, are you? I mean, maybe you don't even know, but um, that's a great little because if you if you can't yeah. go top of the world, you got to go all the way down to Whitehorse and up. Yeah. And I want to go play in that. Are you familiar with the poker tournament? Yeah, I've heard about it. Oh. It's a big people. They get attract a lot of people. Yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, no, I'm not sure on the border what what the end date is there. We, you know, we end up opening that road early because there's a lot of miners and whatnot that want to get back there before it uh, thaws out up back there. So every year you'll see us going in. Uh, it's typically around like March 15th, mm-hmm. and 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 we go in and open the road up because it's what's it, seasonal. What's the history of that road? Is it like, I mean, not, yeah. not a lot of tourism, but is it, was it mining? Yeah, that was gold mining back there. Yeah, that got all that stuff initially in. I got to get out. I've never actually never been to Dawson. I've been all over Canada and the Alcan, but. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, and that's a beautiful drive all the way up there. That one's pretty awesome. So other thing I want to ask you about is, uh, I you know, we're here on Tudor and Lake Otis, and I live over on Old Seward and Dowling, and, um, and I've, read it, I've read it up in the project, but it just seems to me 
I know it's a multi-phase thing, but every year they keep redoing the Dowling roundabout. Are they redoing it or are they doing more? Because it just seems like for a long time it was closed. Yeah. And it got frustrating for me because I take Dowling over here mm. to Lake Oda. So I'd have to go down. Not a big deal, but it got annoying because I just like that yeah. straight shot over the... The roundabouts are much nicer now. They're bigger and nicer, but um, it just seems they keep doing that work. What, what's going on with the Dowling roundabout? Yeah, so what happens is, you know, you have to phase these projects and they have to think of so many different things. There's a lot that goes on on a project, that, like under the ground, utilities, um, those kind of things where you have to like close a big stretch of, of road and then you got to divert traffic and whatnot. So a lot of it's just, they're just trying to stage it to get the whole project complete. And some of these projects, when you get into a big utility work or these urban settings, you really, I mean, it takes a few years to get through it. So mm. it's just, it's just that mechanism of construction and how you, how you get everybody through it. What about the, you know, this has been talked about for a while, this highway to highway mm-hmm. in Anchorage. Um, is that still, I mean, that, I've heard that come up a little bit in the last few, you know, year. Is that still, explain what that kind of is. That's kind of the Glen going. Yeah. So, so basically, so in this state, right, we, we have four interstates in this state and, and, 1976 was when these were established. And one of them, of course, is the Alaska Highway that comes all the way in uh, to Anchorage, and it ends right there with the Glen. And that's like Interstate A1, I'm pretty sure. Um, A2 goes from Tope to Fairbanks. A3 actually goes from Soldotna, and then it comes all the way up the Seward Highway, and then it ends there where the Glen connects right there at that Mm -hmm. connection. Um, And then the A4, I think, is the Fairbanks, yeah, down to Palmer. But with those um, interstates, I mean, basically what that is, is it's the intersection of those two. That's like a federal designation. Those are federal designations. Yeah. And so that's where they come together. Um, But everybody sees that, you know, that, that in, in here in Anchorage is, is a challenging area. We, we do have a planning study going on right now. That's looking at that again and what's possible there. Cause it's been looked at several times. Um, But we wanted to have a, you know, kind of a bigger picture, look at it and, and what's possible and, and they're going through, you know, all the past work and then all the community meetings because there are a lot, there's a lot of community interest in that whole area yeah. and how that looks. And so really trying to take it from that perspective. I was president of Taco Campbell Community Council and I was actually oh, yeah. for a while president years ago of the Federation for Community Councils and yeah. goddamn those count, those community councils, those, yeah, but it's those can input. stop a lot. Yeah. Those, they can, you know, they can help too, but yeah, well, we're trying to do better at that. Like just getting the right information. And so people have good information out there and then technology now right with with web and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff we can provide good information. hasn't one of the proposals or discussions been the highway kind of around anchorage kind of by the mountain well i think that was one as a I've, bypass kind yes of thing. yes yeah i've heard of those discussions you know i'm from i lived a long time in fairbanks so i know all about bypasses and how they're awesome right um but i know a lot of that there's federal lands there's there's whenever you get into to new roads and and land you know things get complicated pretty quick and so I think that's a lot of what, you know, the expense and, and, and whatnot is, is tough. And, and I think that's one thing you see, you know, when, when we are looking at transportation projects and especially these big ones, how we pay for them matters. And if you were to look at our statewide transportation improvement program right now, which it's, it's in a draft right that's now. That's the it's, STIP, right? Yep, the STIP, and it's, it's open for comment right now. But we have to fiscally constrain each year to the revenue that we receive, um, you know, from whatever sources it is. And so right now, you know, when you look at the highway program, 750 to 800 million a year. And you'd be surprised how fast when you look at all of our highway systems, you know, those four interstates, all the other roads and and needs out there, how fast that money can be spent. So I want to ask you about this Kinnick Arm Crossing. This is something that I think if I was in charge, I would just wave the magic wand. We're going to, we're going to do it. And it was, 
it was it was moving along for years. Kabata was formed. Uh, I read this report this Hemingway guy put out um, in 2019. Mm-hmm. So in 16, in 14, the legislature kind of ended, but they kind of changed Kabata a little bit in 2014. Um, but they had done a lot of right away. They had gotten permits. They had gotten the record of decision. Uh, they were moving, moving. You know, there was some controversy on Government Hill. Some people, most of the people that are against it that I've talked to are Anchorage people. Everybody in the Valley wants it, all the legislators and all the local people, even the kind of progressive people over there. It's, mm-hmm. it's bizarre. Here the opposition is from both sides. But uh, Walker stopped it. And at the time there was a money, you know, kind of money and big projects. Also the Juno Access Road and the Susitna Watana. But then Governor Dunleavy undid that in 19. This guy Hemingway was hired. He used to be with Kabata. Wrote this really good report, and it seemed like there was the resurrect, maybe the resurrection of that in 19. But then the COVID stuff happened, and I'm sure that just kind of everything got stopped. But then you wrote this letter last April 22, and I guess that was in response to some people inquiring about about the bridge, or yeah, um, well, yeah, I'm kind of when I got into this position, that report hadn't been made public. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure we cleared the air on this thing. I mean, we want all this information. There's, there's no, no it's a good, it's a good, it's here. a good report. It is a good report. I, mean, I read the whole thing. It's yeah, really detailed. It's, it's got good information, and it kind of takes you through the processes they went through, and, and talks about all the complications and these things. And, and so that, yeah. So we, we wrote that letter too because, you know, we've invested as a state. I mean, over a hundred million dollars yeah. in that project, and, and we want to preserve that. And however that preservate, you know, however we can use that in the future. So. We just wanted to make it clear to everybody that, hey, but we're still looking at this. I mean, this is doing due diligence. We, you know, we recognize th- there's a lot of things that, that have been discussed, you know, with Anchorage having, you know, this, this one way in and one way out, you know, to the north and the south. It's, is that what the future of Anchorage should look like? You know, is, is that okay from a resiliency standpoint? We all know, you know, the, the big earthquakes of 2000 and, well, yeah, we, we've had the big earthquakes and the... You know, we've been fortunate that we have a contracting community that just jumps up and, and takes care of these things People, for us. Those trucks hitting the bridge, bridges. Oh, and we had the yep, the bridge strikes, and, and those those haven't been getting better for us. We've had more of those. They just haven't been in those critical key locations. And, and I mean, for, for, from a defense, you know, from mm-hmm. a strategic standpoint, that bridge in Eagle River, if somebody ever, that thing got taken, you know, taken out, I mean, if that that's kind of lights out, you know? There's, yeah, there's a lot there, and... I mean, we, we actually have an integrated corridor management plan going on right now on the Glen so that because it doesn't take much. I don't know if you remember if it was last summer, but, you know, we had some contractors working out there and they had had some problems with some asphalt. And we really backed up the highway for for hours and hours. Yeah, no, I remember you know, it didn't take much for that to happen. And so we're working on integrated corridor plans to say, hey, when those situations happen, you know, how do we build in these off ramps? How do we build in these safety measures so we don't leave people stranded like that and, and you're just stuck for hours and hours on end. So, so obviously the bridge would alleviate some of the, you know, some of the traffic, not all of it, but some of the traffic of, of Valley commuters and going up to, you know, especially I was talking to somebody who used to work for Don Young and the bridge would, would really alleviate these trucks from the port that have to go through downtown Anchorage and have to go through the Merrill corridor and the, you know, Wasilla, they could just go straight up to, to the park ones that are going to Fairbanks and up, up, up on the slope. But then somebody said, well, you have to build a road to the parks highway, which I guess is true. Now that would be because the, the estimate I saw in 19 was a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's gone up. I don't, I don't know how much, but I'm sure it's gone up. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing cr- price increases across the board. I mean, 
yeah, we'd have to be realistic about those types of things. But that that would be one thing before we even restarted or thought about restarting a project like that would be to really look at those estimates and, and get a good handle because that'll be the first question people ask. And and that's that's the one thing, you know, we, we don't want to start into a project without having an understanding that we can't finish it. And that means paying for it. And I, and I think when, you know, you talked about these projects that didn't make it like Juno Access and these things, I, I think a, a big reason was why it wasn't clear where the money was going to come from to build it. Mm-hmm. And so we would want to, those types of things are the questions that we have to answer and do this due diligence to make sure that if, if we were to make a decision to move forward and, and moving forward would mean it would show up in the step. It would, we would restart the environmental document, those types of things would be very visible, very public. Um, but, yeah, it got, it got taken off the AMATS plan um, back in 2017. Right. Yep. The STIP. So what about, you know, other concern people have, and um, for a while, me and a buddy, we've been trying to look for some property on around Big Lake, you know, in that area, and it's hard to find anything. But even if you do, we've been going out there. Whenever you go out to the valley, there's been a lot of talk about some kind of bypass or spur because you have to go through Wasilla. And, I mean, it feels like every time I go out there, unless it's late at night or something, the traffic backs up in Wasilla and, and that even without doing a bridge or is there serious talk about a, cor- a spur or some kind of, yeah. um, yeah. So, so, you know, for the Palmer Wasilla, you know, we did expand that parks highway to four lanes, getting you through there. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot. That was a safety corridor project because the accident, the crash rates, um, just like connect goose Bay that we're working on right now, that was a safety corridor. And so we're expanding to four lanes. So we're working to, to help things out that way. But yeah, you're right. There is a planning study going on right now to look at a bypass. And, you know, I ended up going to a public meeting. Oh, it was probably a month or two ago now um, on that topic. And yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, people there, um, the majority of people expressed uh, not, they, they didn't, they, they didn't feel like that was the, pro- the right project to, to get that done for the, for the bypass. And a big part of it was because there's a lot of private landowners um, people that have houses and things that it would impact. And <clears throat> I do feel like, you know, we need to do our best to minimize impacts to private landowners when, when we get into these projects. And so taking a hard look at those things, and is that something that's the right thing to do? Or is there another solution out there that, that we should be looking at? And, and I think that's important for us to, to really be thinking about. Yeah. On, on if, 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 the, if the bridge were to ever get built, and I'm sure it would take, say if they decided today they wanted to do it, or I'm sure it would take many, many years, but you know, I wrote an article recently about the housing. You know, we can't build housing. You live in Fairbanks, right? Yep. So, you know, it's a problem here with housing. Yeah. Renting, buying, whatever. Yeah. They're building a lot in the Valley. Half the houses in the state were built in the Matsu Valley last year. So, to me, there's the, the housing issue. There's the egress, kind of having a second way out. And then there's this whole issue with trucks and emissions and reducing the, the drive time. And the not just the drive time and the emissions, but the impact on the road. I mean, the, all these big trucks are driving on the Glen, right? They're, I'm sure they're more trucks and the more big trucks on roads cause more, you know, wear and tear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we deal with that all over the state. Am I selling you? Am I selling you? I know you're trying to realize, (laughs) but you know, the housing thing is interesting because that is something all over the state. I mean, Fairbanks has a housing problem. Um, Ketchikan, you know, we do the, we do the ferries out of Ketchikan and Mm -hmm. that's, and that man, we're really struggle even hiring people to work on the ferry system, which we need those workers desperately Um, finding up for them. Oh yeah. Sorry. For them to find a place in Ketchikan to live is, is really is a tough thing. So th- those kind of things. And, you know, even out in the rural areas, you know, housing crises, um, you know, we were just out in uh, Huslia and Hughes and, um, oh, we went to Alakakit. Yeah, you told me you were going to Hughes and yeah. I could have sworn I knew every 
place in Alaska. <laughs> and I was like, because I'm thinking Shelly Hughes, a senator. I'm like, what? And then I looked it up, and it's some small little, was it Kushkaquim or? Yeah, it's on the, uh, it's on the, on the Koyakuk. Koyakuk, yeah. Yep. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I've never. Oh, and it's the mo- and it's a beautiful village, and then they have a group of folks there that are just so motivated. We're actually trying something new out there, a workforce development project, where uh, you know we went we went out there last fall with the governor and talked about um, you know what was going on in the region, and they brought forward this road to a cemetery that they had shovel ready, mm-hmm. and they asked it, you know, is there any way you guys could help? And we have these new workforce monies, you know, because of this workforce crisis um, across the nation, and so we were able to take some funds and. You know, they're building this cemetery, this road to their cemetery. It's about three and a half miles and they're building it themselves. And we're working through the city and they've got their own equipment. You know, they got their own, they've developed their own material sites and, and they're, and they're doing it. And so we were just out there yesterday and they're a mile and a half into it and, and they're making progress. So pretty, pretty neat way to, to, you know, train people while they're actually physically, you know, doing mm-hmm. a real job. Yeah, you, you try, I mean, I, I, for our political report, um, we track all, you know, a lot of things uh, and. We, one of the things we track is kind of the travel expense uh, salary compensation report. Yep. You travel a lot. You're all over the state. I mean, you, yeah. you must, because of, you know, your position, I mean, you know, corrections person or DNR, they don't have to travel as much, but you're, you're going, I mean, you're seeing all these things. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. I mean, my wife probably wishes that that was a lot less. <laughs> so you're probably, you're, you're probably seven, are you 75 K? You must be doing pretty good on the, uh, yeah, you know, you get those things, status. but you know, at some point it's nice to be home. So, but, but there's so much to do and, and there's so many people out there that are asking for us to come visit and to come talk to them. And, and I, I feel like that's important part of Alaska is that there's so many transportation needs out there. I mean, transportation is so I mean, it impacts everybody, you know, every, I mean, all of us today, you know, how many different forms of transportation did you use and how many different streets and roads and, and you know, aircraft or whatever it is, but it's just such a big part. And I think for Alaska in particular, because of our geography, people really care about it here mm-hmm. and they really care about it. And so I feel like it's our responsibility to make sure they get an opportunity to be heard. And then if there's actions that we can find to take to help, you know, relieve some of the stresses and some of the problems out there, that's what we should be doing. So DOT has a reputation of, of all the department of all the departments having a lot of juice. I mean, people say uh-huh. DOT, man, they can do, they get a lot of money, they can do stuff, they can get shit done. Um, and then I know a lot of legislators, they, you know, they, they want their projects. They have, everybody has their ideas. I mean, how much power do you have as commissioner, like in these matters? I know the legislature approves money, but how much can you say, we're doing this. And then how much of it is legislature versus the governor? I mean, because, because like I said, DOT of all the departments, people are like, man, DOT they they kind of do shit. Yeah, well, we like that. I mean, we like to do that, and you know, we've got a lot of good assets in the field. You know, you look at our maintenance and operations folks; they're the guys out there, man. They're doing it every day, and so they know how to do things. And when we get into a bind, like so, so for example, when you get into an emergency situation, a, a crisis hits, or a landslide, or a flood event, which we've had a fair amount of this year. Or the earthquake when the freaking road or fell off on international. Yeah. And, so, and, and so once the governor, man, if the governor issues that declaration, you know, we go to work. And and that's where we have a lot, a fair amount of discretion to make sure we can get it done quick because of what matters, you know, in those situations is life, health, safety, and we move at a speed. You know, when Typhoon Murbach hit, we were out there, the governor, I mean, man, he spent three different trips out there and, and he took me and General Sachs and we made sure things were getting addressed out there. Yeah, that, that, that was that was a big, uh, a big event. And it took a lot, you know, we even had because the resources are so constrained out there. We even had DOT contractors helping rebuild houses 
Wow. And so we had DOT folks in new you know, roles that they hadn't had before. Is this situation in Juneau now, this flooding? I know some houses got destroyed and some are kind of hanging on the, the edge of the... Is that DOT? I mean, is that were roads affected? I know there was a bridge. Yeah. I saw a picture of the water was like yeah. basically right below the bridge. Was any DOT infrastructure stuff affected or was it more just houses that were affected? Yeah. So what's amazing is so whenever you see that in a bridge in a flood event, we have people there. And so we actually had our director down there. He was there. Man, that was Saturday night, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was because somebody had sent me some videos and I was posting yep. pictures and videos. And so he was out there Saturday night. He got a hold of us. He let us know what was going on. You know, with technology now, we're, we're all online. And uh, that morning, first thing on Sunday morning, we were all on a Teams video event where they were flying the drone underneath the bridge doing the oh, inspections. Wow, dang. We all could watch it real time. And it was amazing, the technology now. And then and they were flying some the river piece for some of the private homeowners and stuff too. But that was that was an amazing thing. Yeah, that, those are the kind of things that we want to be doing. And the drones Is that bridge now, okay? Yeah, the bridge is good. It had a little bit of a damage to the abutment, not to the abutment, but the, the, the riprap around it. And so they're going to go ahead and replace that. But there wasn't any structural problems. I couldn't believe that house that got just like crazy. I mean, thinking about if that if that was your house, I mean, just oh, man, it was like sad. it took like a few seconds. Yeah, as the power of those rivers, right, is just when... I couldn't believe, and a friend was there sending pictures, but that like a condo unit where those two pile, yeah. uh, or piles or those that were holding up the deck were just float. I mean, they were just basically suspended in midair. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the earth must have gone out another 50 feet. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing though. I mean, we, we, we've, and we've had those kind of river, um, in other events in other locations. There just haven't been houses there. Um, we had one, we had to fix this spring up on the Tanana river along the Richardson highway because the river got that close to the highway. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but they, I was reading, they call it like a jacula or some Icelandic word for when the, the, the water gets stuck in the glacier and then it, is, it breaks and I guess they said the first time this happened was 2011, but basically a whole bunch of water collects into like almost like a like a glacial lake, and then it breaks, and then it just j- comes down, and that's what that's what happened. They, I was reading about. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's nuts. So what about now? The other thing that was in the news a few weeks ago, uh, Ada has been pitching this who's sitting the road forever, and they've been kind of trying to. I mean, anything Ada touches, I always say it's like you know, I'm, people have different ideas about Ada, but they're they're very politically controversial oftentimes. Yep. They gave DOT, or you guys took over, a, not the whole thing, but a part of this, so sit in the access road. So talk about that and what that's going to be happening. Yeah, so, yeah, as, as Ada was going through this thing, I mean, there was a, a contingent of folks, local governments and legislators and folks that really wanted, um, had some thoughts about this as a public road and, and, and how that would look and, and recreation access. There's a lot of state lands there around the Susitna River. Because originally it was, Ada was talk, trying to, it was like a mining thing, right? Yeah, and so typically those mining roads, like they're doing up on the Ambler Road, they're restricted access, so the public doesn't have access for safety reasons. Um, so, you know, we got asked to take this on as, and, and treat it as a public road for those, I think it's about 18 miles that could see to the river, and then look at what it would take to get across the river so you could access those state lands across the river as well. So that, and, that, and that's really what we're looking at right now. It's that, that piece of it. Um, but it would be a public road, and it would be open for, you know, recreational access. And then, of course, it's a public road. So if there's interest in accessing, you know, exploration and whatnot beyond that, well, that would be on industry. You know. So where would it start? Um, so it would, well, it would start from the contiguous highway system there. And, and the, that point hasn't been determined yet. Because there's a couple launch points there where, where the roads stretch out to the west there. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be part of what we look at. And, and, and what we're doing is, you know, it's in the step, 
And that's like the first step of a project, you know, it goes in the step, there's a public comment period, you know, and, and it goes through that part. And then once that's done um, and, and we choose to move forward, then we would start the environmental process and we, and we start going through that process that you don't like that takes time, you know, cause we got to get, I'm just like those freaking steps. building, you know, know, let's go get through those steps. But that's, but that's how it works. And, but, but, you know, we're, we're shooting for 2025 is what we believe is, is possible. And, and if we can get through these things quickly. I mean, I was telling you a friend of mine, we've been trying to buy, buy land and, you know, around big lake, one of those, there's a lot of lakes out there, but everything's so one expensive and really not very available. And I was talking to my buddy, his parents, moved here in the early eighties. They were teachers. They bought some land, um, in Cooper landing on Kenai Lake teacher salaries, bought some land, you know, over time built a place. They still have it. Yeah. They could never do that today. It's worth like well over a million dollars. I mean, they're, you know, and, and I'm just looking at, you know, if you're a hard, if you're a working class person and you, and you want to have a, some land for a cabin on a lake or something, it's just so, unless you get lucky on a DNR or mental health trust thing. And it just seems to me the more roads we can build, like out there and you know the mat there's a lot of lakes out there there's so much land out there mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people have that dream of buying a little piece of property a few acres and putting up a cabin and you know i hate to say build it and they will come but i think if you build it people will start because a lot of people want to buy land out there you know and they want to have a little place to go a little cabin yeah well and i think the governor has been clear you know and he's asked us as, as a department you know what are the things we can do to to attract people to alaska and, you know, improve economic vitality of the state. And we all know that the outdoors is huge. It attracts people to Alaska. That's that's one of a you come to Alaska if you like to hunt and fish and climb mountains or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you like to do. And so I, I and I feel like, you know, you provide more roads accessing these areas, just give people more opportunities and, and it may help with that. So what do you see is, you know, you've been there for a couple of years and let's say you you know, you're there for the whole you know time. The governor's got three more years. Mm-hmm. What do you see as like the big, you know, what's going to happen or what are things going to look like in three years from now? Well, if you look at, if you look at our statewide transportation improvement program, the step, I mean, there's a lot of projects. And so we're, I was reading through it and I was like, wow, there's so much in there. Yeah. We're going to be building. And, and so I'm excited about that. I like to build and, and we like to improve and expand, you know, and, and do those things. Um, the one interesting thing we're looking hard at, you know, when it comes to workforce and kind of that overall organizational piece in DOT and how that could change, um, things like artificial intelligence, those are things in the next three years that are going to change the way we work. And so we we want to make sure that we're a part of the crowd that's uh, that's in the front of that and learning how to use it so that we're not those people that get told how to use it, you know. We want to be part in the formation and, and all this new technology. So I think you're going to see DOT, one of the things we say is, we want to be modern, we want to be resilient, and we want to be agile. And mm-hmm. I think that for Alaska makes a lot of sense. And so the modern piece, you know, we get all these new technologies. Resiliency, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to make sure we're, we're resilient as an organization so we can respond to these events that happen, but also our infrastructure. And then, you know, be agile. We can, one, one thing we've been learning is, you know, if we think big, like Alaskans and DOT across the state, and we need resources to respond to an event, we can pull from any part of the state these days. Um, and people can talk to each other through all these technologies. I mean, we can really see ourselves as this bigger organization and not, you know, these these pockets of things. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll ask you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what would you say are the uh, chances or likelihood that the Kabata Kanikam <laughs> crossing happens and the Juno Access Road ever happens? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but more, I mean, are are those things being looked at seriously? Or, well, I mean, those those are things that have been around for a long time, and I think that that has a lot of merit to it. I mean, those ideas didn't come up 
just out of a whim. I, I think in the past there's been a lot of smart people that have worked on these things and there, there's ideas there, but I think the challenges are, you know, we got to make sure that, Hey, if, if we start something, we can finish it. I mean, that's, that's never, I mean, it's so disheartening, like a Juno access where, you know, it got started and all that money is invested and then it just didn't get there, you know? Well, that one's interesting because I did some research and we're actually writing a bigger piece on that and it's, it's a relationship with the fairies, but I mean, that started under Hickel in the 90s, 90, like early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was going gangbusters and then Knowles kind of stopped it and then, and then Murkowski kind of started it up again and then Palin kind of ignored it and then Parnell started up again and then Walker. St- so it's so much politics with some of these things, you know, it's like who's in charge and who's, well, how much money do we have? Who's in the legislature? Um, the Juno one's been around, you know, a decade, more than a decade, more than the, the bridge idea, the Kabat, the Kinnick Arm Crossing. Yeah, well, yeah, and there's a lot of them that have been like the road to Nome. That's been around. That's, yep, I've heard about. Right? Other one, you know, and this is, I thought it was preposterous, but, I mean, people have talked, I don't know, maybe it's not super likely, but the, the bridge to Hope or Keene, you know. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one, too. And I, I don't That know. would be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, think about the Keene. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, there, I mean, there's a lot of cool projects, right? If you like, yeah, if you like those things, there's some pretty See, awesome. See, I'd be a horrible DOT commissioner because I'd be like, baby, we're doing all these things. And <laughs> they'd say, yeah. okay, yeah, you, you need to go money, away. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I mean, this is, a, I'm not, this is my opinion. This is not. Um, I'm sure the governor wouldn't like this, but we spent $2 billion on dividends last year. I mean, that's the bridge, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that obviously it's a political and it's not going to, you know, people have different ideas, but I mean, there's, there's money. We have that permanent fund and, you know, there's different ideas about what that should be used for. But I think we got to, you know, to build this state, we, we're not, I mean, we are broke in the sense that we're kind of don't have much savings, but we do have assets, you know, and I just think, you know, what to get people here, we got to, we used to do these big things, you know, like yeah. big pipeline or, or, uh, Red dog, you know. Yep. No, and and those are good. I mean, that's this thing about economic development and transportation is is big about economic development. When you think about how how that supports those things, you look at a state like Texas. I mean, right? If you divide Alaska into Texas, is the third largest. Yeah, state I love, you, I love right? that. That's I love that. Yeah. But they have they have they have so many more roads. I mean, I think they have like ten times the roads we do. And so you just got to think about that. And and their economy, you know, is is a pretty good one um, these days. And, and, and so I do believe that that matters for a state, you know, the, the more you have access and, and that ability to, cause we know that trucking is a lot cheaper than flying and, and those types of things. Um, it does, it, it improves your economy. Yeah. I grew up in New Mexico and I've been here, you know, almost over 19 years now. And, and you talk about these highways, you know, I remember like there's I-25 and there's I-40 and you can get on I, you can get on those roads, you can go up to, you know, Colorado, you can go to Arizona, you can, I mean, you can, yeah. they're just so easy to like <clears throat> hop on these highways and get around. And here it's kind of like, you know, you so far away, but I mean, you can get on the, the Alcan and it's, you know, it's like, it's like six to 15 hours to the border. And then yeah. the road's kind of a little bit, you know, those dips and it's, yeah. um, yeah. And then you got to remember too, all the things you don't see on the road, it's, it's the broadband cable that's mm-hmm. buried in the road. You know, that that's a big thing. There's, there's, there's pipelines buried in roads. There's the power corridors that kind of traverse with the roads because they need that for maintenance. I mean, the roads serve a lot of different transportation purposes, not just people and freight. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's um, I think a lot of people don't maybe think about what a road does. I mean, a road's a road, but you think about what that, op- like we're talking about out there, and this is sitting there, the va- you know, you start opening things up, people start building houses, they start buying property, they start opening businesses, you know, the multiplier happens. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big roads guy. <laughs> I think you can tell bridges. <laughs> well, you know, we had a great one when we did that road to Tanana because 
it brought down the cost of living for them so much. You know, they mm-hmm. were able in the wintertime when the river froze, they were, they were able to bring fuel, you know, housing units. That's yeah. huge. You know, the cost of that, you go out to some of these villages where you have to fly in all the time and the cost of housing is so expensive just because the freight to get those things in there. So roads do a ton of good for that. You know, you'll go down to Bethel and you'll see how they do that with the ice roads because of that. I mean, they just make that river a super highway in the wintertime because they can move, yeah. you know, and, and, and cheaply. And so they take full advantage of it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing. There's no doubt. Last thing I'll ask kind of switch gears to the ferry. That's been, you know, over the last four years, kind of pretty, pretty controversial funding and, and the ferries. And I just saw they're building a few new ferries they've ordered up. And I guess some of the, I mean, is it the, which one's Tasleen or Hubbard? One of them was kind of in Juneau docked up. Is that, and what's, what's going on with the ferries, I guess? Yeah, well, ferries are, are tough right now. So we have a couple different things. Number one, um, the ferries are old for the most part. I mean, these, these are some, some older ships. And so with older ships come problems, right? Things get old and things start. For example, we're running the Columbia right now, and uh, it was probably a month and a half ago now, I, I believe. But, you know, the the fire mains, you have to have fire mains on those in case you have a fire and they start weeping. And so you got to take care of those things. And these are things that you got to go back and to the yard and, and take care of, you know, or, or bow thrusters have malfunctions, those kind of things, because the ships are old. But also the workforce right now, the maritime industry across the world is, mm-hmm. is really struggling. And you'll see other places... Um, they're giving incredible bonuses like the cruise lines and these folks to attract these workers. And, and then we're not, you know, we're not budgeted for that, but, but the Marine highway system has a different appeal because, you know, guys get to be closer to home and, and it's yeah. a pretty cool job. You know, you get to, you get to go through some of the most spectacular scenery in the world every day. That's your office. And so that's pretty cool. But um, we, we do have like, when you heard about the Hubbard and Juno, that's actually been a really nice success for us. Uh, that ship, runs from Juneau, Haines, Skagway, and back every day. And we were able to, to get that service going six days a week this year. We weren't able to do that last year. We didn't have the ships. And, and, that, and that one, um, we just finished a capital project so we could add what's called crew quarters on it. So normally a ship is a day boat. If you don't have these crew quarters, you can only run 11 hours. Now we can run more, so which means it's more flexible. We can really make the most of that. But, but it has been tight on crew. We actually haven't had to tie that one up yet. But we've had to really work in the background hard to, to keep the folks working on their working because we have a lot of these folks. I mean, they're, they're so dedicated. And that's one thing, you know, you get into some of these um, state positions and these folks are so dedicated to their jobs. And, and, they're, and they're just, I mean, they're pretty phenomenal people. But they, uh, they really work um, over and over and over again. I mean, some of these guys will work two months straight on these boats. Yeah, I, mean, I was in the ferry from Haines when I went to Beer Fest to Juneau. I was talking to a guy. He had only been there for like a uh, about a year from California, and he was, told me he'd been working for like you know basically like like you said a few months straight. Basically, he's just working, working, working every day. Oh man, yeah, yeah, and that's but they keep him going, and and we've been able to do that across the board. This summer, we we haven't had any major um, hiccups other than you know, the other Columbia and some mechanicals and things like that. But we are trying new things, you know. With uh, uh, we're working on one. Hopefully, we'll get it through here pretty soon for a referral bonus. So if if you knew somebody that was like a licensed engineer, we really hard. The skilled licensed positions are the hardest ones to find right now. That could be a good hustle for me. I could just go out and try to yeah, go make find a people. And, <laughs> yeah, if you could find us some good, we would. I could be like the Alaska ferry recruiter. <laughs> yeah, we could talk more about that later. <laughs> but it's a so, real thing. So one of these I read. It's it's. Is there going to be an electric ferry? Is that happening or is yeah. that being talked about? So part of the rural ferry programs. That was that big. Um, the, the funds that were dedicated to the ferry program. 
Um, you know, we're working on that Tustamina, a brand new ship for the t to replace the Tustamina that runs out of Homer, Soldovia, and then Kodiak, and then kind of goes down the chain. And so that one's really old, and so we need to replace that. And then um, also we got a grant for an electric ferry. It's called a low no emissions ferry. So it may not be completely electric. It may be kind of a hybrid type thing. How does that work? Is that like a shorter distance deal? or? Yeah, so you find those routes. So we have a lot of routes. Um, like if you go out of Ketchikan, there's a short run there that goes across the island, uh, Metlakatla over there. Mm -hmm. And so you, the, some of those routes were looking hard at electric ferries because a place like Ketchikan, um, they have hydro. And so it, some of this stuff makes a lot Didn't of sense. Didn't a few of our ferries end up in, a, I guess the Spanish would say, Ibiza? <laughs> well, the Didn't like one of them end up in, a, like literally Ibiza, right? They it got yeah, uh, I think sold. One of, probably to, one of the fast ferries. Yeah, I think that's what happened there. Was that, was that, what was the deal where I guess one of them was, or maybe two of them, I think they were supposed to kind of correspond with, part of it was the road maybe, right? They were going to build the road and then they, mm. and then they were going to, but they didn't and there was a crew quarters was part of it and then wasn't the dock it, the, the, the loading ramp was not right, or there was a whole, like, kind of yeah, problem with that, there right? there was a deal. So that was the Alaska-class ferries, and so that's the Taslina and the Hubbard. And so, um, yeah, we added the crew quarters to the Hubbard. Now we're going to add the crew quarters to the Taslina because they just it gives them more flexibility, and we can move them to more places. Um, we're really trying to standardize the fleet so we can have, you know, ships that can move around, and, and, and the docks are a problem. We have certain docks that won't fit certain ships. And so right now our thing is, you know, all ships, all docks. We, we gotta, and, and we've, yeah. got, we've got eight dock projects going on right now to get that back underway. Some people have discussed or talked about creating a ferry board, kind of like the railroad, I guess. So, you know, mm. is that, have you ever heard that? Is that? Oh yeah, that's, that's a topic. Well, right now there's the Alaska Marine Highways Operations Board. And it's kind of like in between that. I think that was the intent for that was maybe it's a first step to put a board together that would help with operations, you know, and, and, and the ferry decisions for a lot of its planning, you know, for the future. I think the problem is whenever there's a new governor, the ideas about the ferry system, and I've seen that with, you know, you go back to Hickel and uh, what I talked about earlier with the road and this and that, and the, you know, there was the Alaska class and then they wanted to build them in, build them in Ketchikan and, and then those ended up, you know, in Spain, yeah. I guess. And so it's, it's by maybe trying to take it a little bit away from, every four years or eight years having a longer, I guess the railroad's pretty, I mean, railroad has its problems too. They're kind of a little bit too, too uh, yeah. <laughs> out of the realm of, of control. But I mean, the railroad kind of, they, 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 they run the railroad pretty good. You know, they, 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 nobody really bothers them. Well, yeah, the railroad's doing all right. Yeah. In terms of yeah working and, and, and that, and that system working, I think on the ferry side, I think it just right, right now the focus and everybody agrees, I think right now on the focus, which is, you know, keeping it, getting it reliable, just reliable service. So people can expect, you know, that when for, there, for a while there, there were a lot of, uh, of breakdowns and things and people just couldn't rely on a ferry yeah. service. I, mean, we, I think everyone recognizes we're at a reduced service level for a while until we get some new ships. So we're going to get through that. But if we can just keep things, you know, so people can, when, when we say we're going to be there, we can be there. That's I could just, focus. last thing I'll say is one suggestion. If we can get the bars back and dare I say maybe a little gambling, <laughs> Some some gaming. I mean, let me tell you, how do we have no bar? I've had so many people say, "How there's no bar? There used to be a bar. Yeah, they, so, they they cut the bars out. I mean, you, you can bring your own, I guess. But so, well, so now no, we do have we are selling like beer and wine now, and so we are we've do we've we've made a, a bit of a change there. So but there used to be there, a full on bar, like yeah, we, a bartender. Yeah, we haven't gone to the full on but back to the full on bar. That's yet. my suggestion. If if I can say anything um, about the ferry system, <laughs> if 
if, and maybe a little gaming. I don't know how that would work. You know, legislature probably has to get involved, but you get no. in international waters and things get pretty interesting. Yeah, so we haven't pursued any of that. I took a cruise last year from Whittier to Vancouver. Yeah, uh, the Alaska resident deal, and uh, yeah, as soon as you get out a little bit, boom! There, the casinos <laughs> they have a lot of booze on the on the yeah. cruise ships and yeah. gambling. Well, Commissioner Anderson, it's great talking to you. I really enjoyed this. First time yep. we've actually had a conversation, so keep in touch. And if uh, if anything's happening with, I just retweeted your DOT. Uh, they've delayed the dowling thing one week because of the rain. So. Okay, I retweeted it. that for you guys. Oh, thank you. Appreciate for informing that. informing the masses. Yeah. And I also got to say, last thing is, big fan of Shannon McCarthy. Oh, awesome. She's she, I've known her yeah. for a long time, and she's yep. been DOT for a long. She's great. I'm, oh no, like, she's first class, man. That's yeah. I couldn't do it. all this thing. All these things that we're doing, we're really working to build a pretty solid team, mm-hmm. so we can just you know. Keep I'm assuming she probably way. okayed this or told you this guy's not. That, he's not that crazy. He's not that crazy. I won't tell you what you told. Me. <laughs> Okay, Commissioner Anderson. So Ryan Anderson, DOT Commissioner, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And um, summertime, so I'm sure you're pretty busy. Yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, guys. folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.